Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, we explore the intersection of creativity and spirituality and discover what lights up your creative soul. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so honored to have guest Amikela Gast on on this week. Amikela is a public keynote speaker, performer, educator, and author. She travels the world serving as a cultural arts ambassador for the State Department and is the founder of the International Cultural Arts and Healing Sciences Institute, as well as the co-executive director for World Trust Educational Services Organization. I so much enjoy this conversation with Amikela because we talk about music as healing and she has a really powerful story that you'll hear in this episode, so I don't want to spoil anything, but essentially she was able to use music and the power of sound to heal her body, not only from physical trauma, but also spiritual, mental, and emotional trauma as well. And she does so much restorative justice work in the world and bringing music and the arts and theater to underprivileged people around the world. So through her arts, through her activism, Amikela is really inspiring and is really a force for change. And I felt like when we had this conversation, we just instantly connected and she feels like just a really beautiful, nurturing, powerful person in the space. And I know that you'll hear this in this conversation. Before we get started, I do want to remind you all that I am coming out with a new practice. It is called the Creative Soul Practice. So this is for you if you have maybe fallen off your journaling practice or you want to really start a daily creative practice. So the Creative Soul Practice is a series of a seven-day guided writing meditation series where every day you'll listen to a guided meditation and then a writing prompt. And each of these meditations are under 20 minutes or less. So you can really stay connected to your creativity, be inspired by new ideas, and really connect to the power of writing, which is everything we love on this podcast. So that is coming out so soon. Stay tuned. I'm probably going to share that in the next couple weeks and just want to let that be on your radar. And if you are interested in being on the wait list and knowing when it drops, the first to know, then you can send me a DM on Instagram at Leah Van Doren and I'll add you on the list to be the first to know. So without further ado, let's get into this beautiful conversation with Ami Kayla. Welcome Ami Kayla to the Creative Soul Podcast. What is currently fueling your creative soul? What's currently fueling my creative soul are plants. (laughs) Plants and water. I've really been getting into a lot of music around water and songs by the whales and also plants like how you know, the mycelial network underneath our feet is so vast and amazing. And actually, I'm a part of this organization called the International Herbal Symposium. And we have every year all of these people that come together that are all about plants and seeds and different herbal 
remedies and all these tinctures and all these ways to like really dip into naturopathic interactions with the world around us. And there's this person who has this contraption where you can clip a clip onto a plant leaf and then put a probe into the earth right near the root. And you can hear the sounds that it makes like as it's doing, you know, the, the creation of chlorophyll doing the whole photosynthesis magic (laughs) and it turns into a song and you can, I have talked to plants. I kid you not, girlfriend. It is amazing. Oh my gosh. I know it's amazing. So that's amazing. Yeah. It's so divine that we're talking today because I th- I I was like didn't even think plants would be part of the conversation, but <laughs> I recently have become obsessed with studying herbalism and Oh my gosh, like, look at this. Now fleshed out my apothecary and I'm making all these tinctures and started to make these herbal teas and so have you always have is this a new thing for you to be into plants or No. <laughs> lifelong study, a soul lifelong study. <laughs> Thank you for asking. No, actually, my grandmother was a naturopath and she was like the herbalist for the community. She lived in Sheffield, Alabama. My family's from the South. And she would always pull me in like my other cousins and my brother would be outside playing and she would keep me inside. And I used to think that that was like torture. I was like, why are you keeping me inside? But she would keep me inside and she would teach me all of these different ways to like prepare herbs and help with the tinctures for people that had asked her for their help. And she had this huge backyard with like literally everything under the sun. Like this year, I'm going to take up her, you know, what do you call it? Where you take up someone's torch and you, and I'm going to learn how to do bees because she had a lot of bees as well but like I have chickens you know she taught me how to work with chickens she taught me how to work with bees she taught me how to work with plants and herbs and and different you know fruits and vegetables and just it was amazing to learn from her but as a child I was like everyone else is outside playing and I have to stay in here and chop stuff (laughs) oh my gosh oh that's so beautiful yeah it's really cool it's really cool and where do you live now I live in the Bay Area. I live in oh, Oakland, cool. California. Yeah. Oh, cool. My mom lives in Berkeley, so not too. Oh, far. down the street, honey. I'll go say hello. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how beautiful. I love that you learned it from your grandmother and how beautiful oh, to be able to. Totally. Share and what's so funny is like one grandmother, my father, that's the one I was just describing. She did all of that stuff. And then my other grandmother, she was into botany and flowers. I mean, she mm. was way more into like plants that are beautiful and so I got them on both sides honey so how could I not be surrounded a long line of healers a long line of healers totally I love that you're getting into it right now what made you like you know feel that you're like I gotta get into that yeah actually I think it was moving to Michigan and being like surrounded Mm. by nature and not really having as many distractions as you would in a city And just finding there's a lot of medicinal plants just growing around. Right. Just on the street. Right. Just on the street. So I started to get really interested in what was growing around and just started to learn about medicine making. And there is a big community of herbalists and foragers in Michigan. So I just kind of dove in and and it, it, it's funny that you said like, you know, your grandmother taught you this tradition because it, in a way, connecting to the plants and connecting to earth does feel very ancestral. And it feels like you're connecting back to the land and I'm connecting back to, you know, my, 
the, my Russian grandmothers and my Jewish grandmothers oh, that yes. did know this medicine and wasn't passed down to me and was totally lost. So yes. it's, it, it, I feel like it's a reclaiming of our heritage in a way. Yes. Return Love it. To earth. Yes. So, yeah. That's the title of this podcast, honey. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so great. Well, congratulations. I'm so happy on your journey. Thank what fun. you. I would, yeah, I would love to hear more about your journey and how I know music and arts education and music as healing is a really big part of your work. So, which I love because I think that is everything. It is everything. A bit more about your work and how you all got started with it. Totally. Yeah. Let's see. So, you know, I've been doing this music as medicine programming for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's very cool, you know, it starting way back in the 80s before people kind of took it seriously. And there was a guy, Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. who wrote a book talking about the Mozart effect. And it was kind of the first time anybody really talked about how music, but in particular infants, responded to classical music. And he was making a lot of claims that, you know, it was enhancing their brain activity and all those things are true, but it was only focused on classical music. And so I got really intrigued and wanted to find out how people responded to different things like drumming. So I did a lot of like sacred ethnomusicology and studies of different, you know, drums and trance music. And like, this is before everybody got really into crystal bowls and all that stuff. I was very much so into that. And it always has been very amazing to me how you can enter into a trance-like state when you hear music. Mm. And that became really important when I was, a, I don't want to say victim, I'm a survivor of an incident where someone ran me over in a truck and I had to rely on music to help heal my body because it was I had all these third degree burns on 70% of my body after I came out and was in the hospital and healing. And one of the things that helped more than any drug could ever help, because when you have third degree burns, there's no, there's no opiate that can help with that. It was music and music. I would just enter into this trance-like state anytime I heard music. And it was a particular type of music. It wasn't like, you know, funky, you know, it wasn't like radio music, like top 40. It was, it was, this man, Brother Ah, he would, he was an amazing musician and he would literally just take one bottle of water and pour it into another container and it would be like bloop, bloop, bloop. And he would just chant over it. And it was, it was the perfect thing to kind of set my mind into a place where I could focus on nothing but healing my body from the inside out. Mm. And it was music that did that. And I realized that after I came out of the hospital that that's what I wanted to do. That was the type of healing work that I felt was more than just curative on the outside because I was studying Western medicine at the time, but it was really much more about healing from the inside out. And so it's been an incredible journey, quite frankly, to Mm -hmm. see how, 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 people are when there is no music around versus when there's music around. Do you know what I mean? Have you noticed that? Like you go to a party, there's no music. You're like, Oh, this is kind of a dead party. <laughs> the energy's really low and slumpy and everyone's kind of crunchy. And the minute you add in some music that everybody kind of likes and enjoys, it's a whole nother scene, man, right? <laughs> totally. It definitely changes the energy. And yeah. you said you were studying Western medicine before. What did that look like? Yeah, yeah. You know, both of my parents are 
scientists and physicians. And so I was really like, hmm, this is the path, you know, like it was kind of like, this is what you do. So both my brother and I went to medical school and it was right before I really dove in to, I had started medical school, but then I went on a, on a journey to a music festival. Cause I was still a part of all these bands, honey. I, you know, I sing. So I was like okay. in five bands and, you know, one was a Celtic rock band and one was a folk band and one was a West African band. And one was a, and I was always, you know, singing up front. Da, 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 da. And so I knew that I wanted to get my music on before I had to really like dive into, you know, studying medicine more you know and to get into medical school you have to spend your whole college career your whole high school time really being invested and involved in the sciences and so you know after all those years of studying and getting to that place of like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna do it I'm just gonna go to medical school so I got in and right before I went I went to this music festival Michigan Women's Music Festival and that's where I got struck by this truck by these five guys who saw a black woman in the field. I was in a field of flowers and that's when they saw me and ran me over on purpose. So I'm a survivor of a hate crime. Yeah, it was absolutely hate crime. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think the the reason that it's so important to kind of tell the story and you can get all the beautiful details on my TED talk called Dare to be Dauntless. You could put that in the chat for people I if they want to check it out. But it's important for people to remember that, you know, this isn't something that's just a one-off like George Floyd or, you know, just over here with Sandra Bland. It really is about how every day there is a way that people move with othering mm. and how we have to commit to creating spaces for people to feel like they belong every day and in every way, truly. And I think it is vital to remember that I'm just a me and I was just a me sitting in a field and they viewed me as something that was disposable, something that was a threat, something that was an aberration. Just by me being me, they didn't know anything about me. They mm. just saw me and they were driven to a murderous state there's something there there's something that on a deep level needs that needs to be healed across this country and the globe the way that we feel okay having an us versus them kind of philosophy on life yeah and it doesn't matter if it's color based in your skin or if it's gender based or if it's about your sexuality or about you know, your hair length or your eye color or what you look like if you're pretty or not, if you look like a Barbie or not, if you look like a princess or not, if you, whatever it is, mm -hmm. however it manifests, people feel comfortable punching down, not just verbally, but physically on people that quote unquote don't match. Why do we not honor diversity like think about the way we love plants it's all about biodiversity it's all about all the different ways that you know the universe creates diversity even in like monarch plants even within us nobody has the same thumbprint how's that possible there's billions of us and we all have different fingerprints if we're that special to have you know our own individual fingerprint why would we think that we need to fit into these molds for society, you know? Mm. 
Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I'm so sorry that happened to you, first of all. And I'm Mm. reflecting on your, you know, as you mentioned, music helped you heal physically from the, the physical, the physical effects of this trauma, but what was the emotional and the spiritual journey of healing the trauma, not only of this incident, but of dealing with the hate of, you know, a lifetime or, or, you know, decades of lifetimes, what was that journey like? And, and was music part of that journey to healing as well? Mm, well, you know, honey, music is always part of healing. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to always be around in my world, but yeah, you know, I think that the healing from that particular incident really was not just musically driven, but mm-hmm. also driven from a place of of needing to let go of you know anger around other people's hatred. It really has to. Mm-hmm. It really made me step into a place of realizing the power of forgiveness mm-hmm. and the power of releasing the need for that kind of immediate reparative justice that's just about like you did this to me, so you have to go to jail. It really, I had to let that go because nothing happened to them. They didn't go to jail. They didn't spend one hour of community service. They paid not one penny. Like none of that I got. And, you know, you see things like law and order or something like that where you're like, and then you catch the bad guy and the bad guy gets the proper justice and blah, 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 blah. And none of that happened. The bad guys were caught, but the bad guys got away because the bad guys were part of the privileged elite. One of them was the mayor's son, you know, so there's a power dynamic and a systemic racism and you know, power and privilege that happens in ways that are still in existence and that allow for these kind of atrocities to occur unseen and unknown. And, you know, that's why it's such a big deal what happened with George Floyd and the butterfly effect around that. And and the fact that globally we were put in the hot seat and, you know, all eyes were on us because the ridiculousness of this is still occurring. I mean, the, the, the absolute horror of killing someone because of their skin color or because they weren't obeying, you know, like there's a reason that we're still talking about this with the police system. So all that to say is that, you know, the I had to really reevaluate how I define healing for me. It wasn't just about justice. It was really about stepping into a spiritual space of reclaiming my well-being by letting go of needing them to have some kind of Mm. you know ramifications for their actions and that to me is really around restorative justice and that's the work that I do now I am the uh, executive director of an organization called World Trust with Mm -hmm. another co-exec and we really do go around to corporations and universities and have these conversations around what it means to be radically imaginative in, mm. in in creating a world where we all feel belonging and where we all experience co-liberation and where we all feel restored and healed, you know, the, the healing justice aspects of it. And we do a lot of work through arts as advocacy. So we use music, theater, film, dialogue, all of these ways to get people to kind of open up and understand 
that it's more than just my issue. <laughs> it's an our issue. I No one's free till we're all free, right? Mm -hmm. That's an illusion. So we have to really remember that this is a critical moment in time and we can't be bamboozled by politics and powers that be that don't allow us to see the ways that we are empowered to make change in our own world. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That makes me think about I, I, kind of like the personal versus the collective. Mm -hmm. And when we're looking at either healing our own personal traumas or healing our own personal biases or our own personal prejudices or the own personal things that we have within us versus what the collective is. And it's like, how do we heal at the collective level? And I guess in your opinion, when we're looking at, and because I think that also, I think when we look at America, America is so individualistic and we're not very mm. community oriented. We're not, you know, we're not thinking about the community. We're thinking about ourselves. So I'm curious either with your work or with your experience, how do we balance the two between the personal and the collective and trying to bring forth community when it feels like there is none in many places of America, or, or maybe there aren't many organizations or community-based centers that we can reach out to. It's like, what is that relationship, I guess, between the two? And I don't even know if that's a real question, but just thinking about the personal versus the collective and what is what is the power and the responsibility of both and how do they work together? Because that's yeah. just something I've been thinking about as I feel like I'm on a very personal path, but yet it's not about me. It's about the community. It's about everyone I touch. It's about, you know, all and there's your answer right there. There's no verses. It's not personal versus community. It's personal mm -hmm. within community. Mm -hmm. Right. And so yeah. that kind of remembering that, you know, we are all one, even yeah. when we are alone, we are, it's the same word. It's the same root. It's the same philosophy. We have to remember to embrace all of us. Mm -hmm all of us otherwise none of us are free yeah so i can be walking down the street but it is for everyone it's a public street i could be even on my personal phone but again it is on a public network and so remembering that it's not just my world my show my headphones my life my driving my blah, blah, blah. you know and i think that's part of the reason why so many people because covid drove us into this very kind of atomistic state of like ah we got to survive i will survive forget you <laughs> i'll buy all the toilet paper you know like everyone like really entered this crazed state of care for self thoughts of me or bust that people now are driving on the roads like maniacs because they still act like it's just them on the road. Mm. It's them or bust. And we have to get out of that mindset. We have to. There's no versus. It's within, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. I love I love that answer. And I think it kind of brings it back to music because I think even when you music and the arts too, I think that is such a communal yeah. space to be in. And especially with music, I, I grew up, my, both my parents were classical musicians and I grew up on concerts and I grew up in the musical theater world. So yes, totally. I, I <laughs> totally. So I know what that feels like, but I feel like for the average person where maybe they are listening to just whatever's on the radio. And I think mm -hmm. typically whatever can be on the radio, maybe 
aren't the most healing frequencies or maybe not the most powerful messaging for your subconscious. And I do believe that, you know, the music, the words that you listen to, that is is affecting your subconscious in certain ways. So I guess with the work you do, like what are ways that, yeah, what, what are ways that people can seek these healing spaces when maybe they haven't been introduced to yeah. any of them? That's a great question. You know, I think, <clears throat> I think, and this is the beauty of uh, the internet, whatever alien gave us that technology, we thank you <laughs> yeah. from a deep place in our souls. You know, I think that, you know, things like YouTube, now that you have channels yeah. where you can hear soundscapes and, but I think you're, you make a really good point, which is that a lot of people don't even know that it exists. Like they don't even know that they have that option. And, and if they don't, have the beautiful upbringing like you did, like I did, like I just lived. I've been in musical theater production since I was in the third grade. Like, you know, if you don't live in that land, it might be a hard inroad to to access. It might be like, what is that? You know, like, Ugh. and, but I do think they're doing a lot now. Like the movies that come on to TV are much more like, you know, there's they're way more musically, you know, disenchanted and spirited, you know, like there are two big holiday movies that are out now that are all basically singing, you know, with people like Will Ferrell. So I think it's, it's like little inroads like that, where there's just a different type of music that people listen to. And then if they, if it floats their boat, they'll go further down the music theater, you know, road. But as for music, that's really, really different. I think it's something that that is a a personal journey that extends beyond you're right pop radio and the words that you do listen to are extremely impactful to your thought processes your spiritual essence the way that you view the world like it is it is not random and that's not to say that we should you know, curate what people listen to and like only this kind of music for these kind of kids, even though they try, you know, like explicit lyrics, parental advisory, you know, like there's that kind of labeling, right? There's that kind of awareness and uh, desire to keep things kind of away from five-year-olds, you know, like you don't want to give them that too much. But I do think that it's important to remember that people choose what they need when they need it, right? So, this is where the personal and the collective intertwine, which goes back to your point. You know, if I personally am listening to songs about murdering people and death and destruction and, you know, only, you know, one race is good and, you know, whatever it is, like the hate speak, basically, I'm going to move in the collective like that. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to have that reflected in my actions and how I interact with the community. And I have to do my own personal healing to shift away from that kind of toxic environment that I've put myself in or that I've been surrounded by to help be a healing force in the community. So the personal has to take responsibility to be a part of the healing aspects of the collective. And I think that that is a level of accountability that our society and system is bucking against right now. We're asking the powers that be and the dominant white culture that has existed this long to take responsibility for the atrocities that have happened in the past. And it's difficult for people to kind of go there. They're like, well, I didn't have slaves, so I don't know. 
But it's not about that. We're talking about that right now. We're talking about everybody coming to a consensus that what exists right now systemically is damaging to a lot of people who don't have, you know, historically positions of privilege and power. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it does. And I, it's like, I, sometimes I, it's hard to really see hope in today's world. I think, mm. you know, after, especially the last couple years, and I think just because we're still existing in the society, it's like, I think that we all, I mean, especially black and brown people are very exhausted, very tired. Self-care, I think, is not just the buzzword that people want it to believe, but truly like, how do we care for ourselves at a deep level, especially when you're so exhausted and yet you still have to exist within the structures because it, you know, we're trying to change. There are many people trying to change, organizing efforts to change. And yet change still hasn't really occurred at a large level you know, people are still having to show up and go to work every day or, you know, take care of their lives, take care of themselves. So in, in that, when you're already exhausted at a physical soul level, and yet you still have to show up for your life and for your responsibilities, how can we find hope in those moments? How can we take care of ourselves at a soul level at a physical level so that we can keep going and how can we incorporate periods of rest when we do have to exist within the structure that just wants to keep go, go, going, there's no right. stopping. Right. I think these are <laughs> fabulous conundrums that we all <laughs> are having to we're, I think out. we're all grappling with it. We are all grappling with it. Absolutely. And I, and I love that you and your beautiful podcast are addressing these issues. And I think that that's Something that we all have to kind of remember, like, like it's so, it's so deep. Like you're talking about this. I last night, okay, so COVID, right? Caviar. I don't know if you have caviar, like those, you know, fabulous delivery systems of divine food from every oh. restaurant around, right? Okay, you know they cost so much money to just yeah. buy like just dinner for two, and yes, it's. <laughs> clearly worth it because we clearly pay for it because we clearly get it delivered and it's not the healthiest food option but we're so exhausted at the end of the day even if it's just zooming all day mm-hmm. and working all day and whatever it is that even just taking care of ourselves with a good meal choice mm-hmm. and going to the grocery store and cooking yourself a healthy meal is is challenging mm-hmm. and add on top of that if you have to if you don't have a car and you don't live you know five minutes away from whole foods or whatever it is you know those added levels of stress those teeny tiny things they just pile up and pile up and pile up or if you don't have the um, amount you know the money that to go to whole foods slash whole paycheck whatever it is like yeah. all of the things come together and so Self-care and really being about it is another job and it needs to be the primary job. And then every other job is like secondary to it. But you're right. This, this society and this structure isn't built for the health of the personal within the collective. I mean, Mm. that's very much so what you're talking about. It really is built for, you know, this kind of like cog in the wheel mentality. You're just one of many. You serve the greater governmental structure to make our country run and and our, our world wherever you're from and i think that that 
is kind of up for grabs right now too. Like a lot of people just, you know, they talked about the great resignation. People were like, I'm just not going back to work there yeah. doing that. I just, that's not living and realizing when everyone was like, are we going to die from a, a global pandemic? I'd rather live on a much decreased paycheck <clears throat> and feel like I'm living than get more money and go to work for some yeah. random job. And it's challenging. It's really challenging because we still have to do all the things we have to do. We still have to pay our rent and we still right. have to buy groceries and we still have to all the things. And so the question then becomes, when do we have conversations around privilege and power? Right? Like yeah. that's that's the elephant in the room. Why does one person have a billion dollars and more than one person? And there are so many people living below the poverty level. You know, like how is that possible? Yeah. And yet it is. It's it's just so ABC. Yeah. And yet it is. And yet it is. And yet it is. Yeah. I've had this kind of question in the back of my mind as we've been talking and it's not totally related to the conversation at hand, but I feel like it all circles back, but going back to music as healing and something that I'm interested in currently is using the voice and, mm -hmm. you know, using our physical voice, not only as an instrument, but as a way to heal from the inside out. And mm -hmm. as you mentioned you know, the plant, the sound, the plant frequencies making music or yeah. listening to the frequencies, healing your body from the inside out. Have you found in your either personal practice or in your work of making sounds with the voice? Oh. And yeah. how, I mean, obviously, but <laughs> how, like, how would you approach? And I'm kind of asking this, like, because I'm curious about it too, for myself, mm -hmm. because I grew up singing, but what is the difference between like singing singing a song for maybe performance or for others versus sounds as healing and making mm -hmm. sounds from your body to like change the structure of your cells through right. sounds that you're making. Totally. Such what a is a great question. Yeah, like what is that difference or what does that practice? Look yeah. Like? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> this is so fun to talk about. If you think about when you're, when you're with the babies or humming, you know, humming, mm -hmm. That alone, just the sound mm, is so soothing. And so there's a lot of self-soothing that happens with just sounds that we make. Humming, cooing, you know, when you're rocking a baby, you're not just doing it in silent or you're chatting. To really get a baby to soothe and to calm down, you have to hum or sing or have some kind of melodic exchange with the baby. So that's just right there, core, basic, bottom line, sounds that come from us. A lot of ooing and aahing really stress. It increases all kinds of dopamine, serotonin, different hormones in your body are triggered by ways that you expel air. So you breathe in deeply and ah, that just causes the release. That's right. It brings down the stress. And with singing, depending on what you're singing, there's an added level of kind of cerebral interaction, right? There's kind of neuronal networks and pathways that are created when you're using words and having intentionality behind it. So it's more than just a, a core release of sound. It's actually conveying a message with intention, be it in another language, be it in one you know or you don't know. There is 
a communication that's happening. And so it's a different level of higher energetics that that is going on, but it still is powerful. Like it still lights up the same hemispheres of your brain, which is kind of full hemisphere. And actually, if you sing and drum at the same time or chant and drum, it lights up your whole brain. They've done these amazing studies where you can see how people who are singing and drumming at the same time their whole brain is activated. Every hemisphere, every lobe, every everything is like. And so if we really want to activate our brains and, you know, stave off all kinds of ways that people, you know, they talk about aphasia, they talk about, you know, Alzheimer's, all of these ways that we, you know, just by atrophy with our brain, we don't have to. We can just look it up on Google. We don't have to try and remember anything. Nobody knows anybody's phone numbers and their cell phone anymore, but you remember your childhood phone number because you had to memorize it because, you know, it's it's that kind of a thing. You want to start hearkening back to these ancient ways of memorization and having your brain activated. And one of those is that primordial effects of sound on your mind and in your body. And just mm-hmm. the release of stress and the increase of hormones. And so, yeah, yeah, you want to do sounds and you want to sing. You want to do both of those levels within your brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited. Are you a singer? I am a singer. I, well, I, oh, I, do yeah. tell, do tell. I was studying to to be a, mu- a musical theater performer yes. um, and then kind of yes. stopped. But ha- I'm interested more now as singing as healing versus singing as performance yes. because I think there's there's just a different either it's maybe outside in or inside out the a different kind of flavor to it and I think yeah just performing versus being in a ceremonial space where you're just right. using your voice as an offering sure. or as a gift and it's interesting that you say you know, just the oohs and the ahs and the, mm, it can be so simple. I think yeah. a lot of people too, this is something I think about often. Cause I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, I can't sing. I don't have a good voice. Mm-hmm. And you hear that so many times, which is so sad to me because every single human has a voice. Every <laughs> single human can sing. That's every right. single human was a baby making those primal sounds. And then somewhere along the way, we were told that we can't make those sounds. We were bamboozled. Right, totally. Totally. <laughs> totally, which is so sad because you're missing out on a beautiful part, a beautiful instrument that can be so instrumental to your healing. That's right. Of the way your voice put, Leah. is yes. your vibration. And so for people who may think that, oh, I can't sing, I don't have a good voice. What would you tell those, those people and how can they get started to even start to discover and explore their own voice? Oh, wow. What a great question. And I get this a lot when I actually, I have a lot of vocal students that I work with as a vocal coach and I do a lot of work as a cultural arts ambassador overseas. And so we do a lot of musical theater that actually does healing work, singing like seasons of love, getting people to really kind of talk about that. Yes, exactly. Cultural diplomacy. But if you feel like you don't have a voice after I go, ha 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 ha, yes, you do. (laughs) But not laughing at them, of course, but like really in a, in a, a way that gets them to entertain the possibility that, you know, who's to say what constitutes, I love, have you ever seen Florence Foster Jenkins, that movie? No, not yet. I have. Oh, you have to see it. It's about this woman who loves singing and loves the theater and loves opera so much. And her definition of on the key is different than other people's (laughs) definition of on the key. And I think that that's, you know, a reclamation of if it feels 
good to you, whether you're quote unquote on the G or near the G, sing as loud as you can anyway, because it's just beautiful to do. And I think that that's really where I start with people because people think that they can't sing because someone has said that to them, but they really can. They just need a little coaching here, a little skosh there. And I get them like I have quite a few people that I work with that have immense stage fright and they just like they sing into there. I had one student where she made me turn around, turn off the lights and she sang into the floor. Like it was a three level protective system that she had built up. And so it wasn't that she thought she couldn't sing. She felt so vulnerable doing mm. it. And I think that that's part of it too, is that people think that they quote unquote can't sing, but really it's a defense mechanism because someone's told them that they can't and it hurt their feelings. And so now they don't want to be hurt again. And so they don't want to try again. And so even if you're off key, <laughs> my darling mother, she sings off key, but she still sings at the top of her lungs. You know, like it's still so important to her to sing. And I think that that's it because it brings such joy. Even when you sing off key, people are just like, that is so adorable or, you know, whatever. But it really is about what you were saying, how you heal yourself through sound and song is is really, really the most critical point. And if people feel like they can't sing, I highly encourage them to to reimagine that they can and try again and get with a vocal coach who can help them get it the way that they want to sound and not to believe when people say, oh, don't sing. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's... Totally. Don't, it's just don't listen lot. to those people. It's a <laughs> yeah, don't listen to them. <laughs> what do they know? Yeah, Seriously. Seriously. I'm I'm Fuck off. <laughs> if you're willing to share, I'm curious what your personal practices look like now, either your mm. spiritual practice, your emotional practice, your voice practice, your art. There's a lot of practices, so <laughs> many practices, but what's that kind mm. of, yeah. What does that look like today? And, and how I'm sure it's evolved based off what you've needed. But I'm <laughs> yes. curious about that. Hmm. Well, I have to, there's not one single day that I ha can go without music. Otherwise I just, oh, it's, I'm so sad. So I do, I do a lot of going out into the garden and singing to the plants. That's definitely part of the deal. I definitely play music and sing along with it when I'm washing the dishes. So honestly, my practice is music as much as I can in between as often as I can. <laughs> All day, every day. I definitely encourage everyone to sing in the shower and in your car, like at the top of your lungs for real, because it's just such a beautiful release. So yeah, I, I sing all the time. <laughs> I love that. And I and, and oh my God, yes. you do that more because do it. I mean, literally do it all the time. <laughs> yes. I sing like when I'm like, it's time to go to the store, you know, like I'm like, I'll like make an announcement and I sing it because why not? Yeah. Why not? It makes why not? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Will you talk you, you mentioned that you do a lot of cultural diplomacy work and you yeah. travel and will you talk more about what that is and what kind of work you do? Sure. And yeah, because mm -hmm. I find that so interesting to be able to. Yeah, right. It's yeah. really cool. So I have an organization that I founded called the International Cultural Arts and Healing Sciences Institute, and we partner with the State Department and we go to places like Lebanon, Jordan, and Syria, and we work with Iraqi refugees to kind of help people break through the chrysalis of post-traumatic stress disorder that have been, you know, savaged by and ravaged by war. 
And so actually this coming January, we're going to Thailand, to Laos, and to Vietnam to talk about and do cultural exchange work where we talk about this particular envoys. We're talking about what happens along the river. So what happens along the Mississippi River here in the States and what happens along the rivers there. And really looking at like what it means to talk about environmental justice and the ways that we are like mistreating water and how that impacts our lives as people whose our culture, if you live on a river, like if you think about the Gullah Islands, mm. people who live around water, you know, they fish, they grow rice, they, you know, interact with the water. It shapes our songs, it shapes our culture, it shapes our food, it shapes the things that we do, how we plant things, how we, you know, plan our calendar year, how we, you know, all these things are based around water. So if water starts dying and gets depleted with global warming, it changes everything for our lives. And so looking at what that looks like. And so when we go to these places and we do this kind of cultural exchange, we highlight and shine, you know, Shine our hearts on ways that people's lives that you wouldn't normally hear about in the news are being affected way before it is really detrimental to them. So right now, there are people in those places that I listed where the water is almost gone and nobody knows it because it's not high on the list of things to report in the news. So we're part of our goal is to go there and do a cultural exchange, share stories, share music, share ways and thoughts of being and bring them back and share them with people here in the States so that we can remember that, again, we are all one community. We are all one global family and we need to help there as well. And here's what's happening. So we're kind of like arts as advocacy reporters on the ground. <laughs> and we do do things where we go to different places like when I went to Palestine, I was a celebrity vocal judge for their first Palestinian idol and wow. working with them and teaching them songs about, you know, again, like I was saying, seasons of love or different ways that we can have conversations around larger topics like homophobia mm -hmm. and what rent is about, you know, talking about, you know, somewhere over the rainbow is always a, mm -hmm. a beautiful one. And what is that talking about? It's talking about believing in your dreams, you know, like looking yeah. at how music in the musical theater realm, which I'm so psyched that you do really has powerful, hopeful messaging that we can take with us mm. other places where there might not be hope anymore mm. and where they are feeling depleted and unseen and so we really try and reinfuse that in a way that's not like let me tell you some songs and then you go out and you're you know it's really about like you share with me your story I'll share with you my story and then we'll know a little bit more about each other and bridge bridge that gap that keeps that us versus them that we've been talking about this whole hour you know so alive and thriving and how there's no love for one another if we don't know who each other are is sorry go ahead no, I was going to say that sounds like everything my soul has ever dreamed of <laughs> I'm asking for like for everyone listening, but also for myself, are there ways to get involved with your organization and are totally. there volunteer yeah. and go on, you know, start going on these cultural exchanges? What is that? Oh, that would be so lovely. Yes, absolutely. There's ways for us to connect. And, you know, I'm sure you're going to put in the chat how people can reach out to me, but yeah. I, I really do 
I highly encourage everybody not just to connect with my organization, but there are so many that are here in the States, so many that are overseas with AmeriCorps and all those other places and the Peace Corps, ways to get involved. And if you have an artistic desire to share your voice, to share your you know theatrical skills, to share your dancing, that you can do it on your own on video. <laughs> like really, like there's so many ways to to in, insert your magic and gifts into the world. And yes, please join the, my group too. <laughs> I would sure. love to. I'm like, this is yes. definitely Yay. something I would love to do. So we'll definitely. Oh my gosh. You will get eaten out with a spoon. You're so cute. <laughs> Everybody would love you. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious, like how, when you go on those trips and you, you're hearing the stories from Palestinian refugees or mm. You know, you're talking to people who are on the ground living and experiencing maybe something very different than you, but also maybe yeah. not because we all have, you know, maybe our situations look different, but we all experience similar things. And so mm -hmm. what has been that personal impact for you and how have you integrated that back into your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead with these deep questions. Mama. <laughs> you know, it's really it's really, really important for us to all hear our, each other's stories. And the, because the, because of exactly what you said, the impact is so vast. Mm -hmm. A, I remember that I'm not alone and that we all struggling with very similar things, no matter how much money you have or where you live. Mm -hmm. There's just some core Maslow's needs of, you know, like we all want to feel seen. We all want to feel secure. We all want to feel, you know, like there are some just some core human things. So I remember that. Then I also remember that, you know, geography is destiny. We live here in the States and that's a privilege we don't even think about on a day-to-day -day basis because we're just trying to get from A to B. But that is very real. We could have been born in Haiti. We could have been born, you know, like there are places that are suffering just by virtue of the fact that they as a whole don't have certain resources. And that is real. And that is something that we can't not pay attention to and take seriously as people with resources to go out and help give resources right so we can't just be like oh poor haiti you know we need to be like how are we gonna get haiti some water how are we gonna get you know these different places that experience tropical hurricanes that don't necessarily affect us but demolish where they're in cuba you know like these places that for whatever political reason we've kind of pushed them away, that is not fair to the people that live there and have nothing to do with any of that. So when I go to these places, I remember that it is my duty as someone with a voice, with someone with a platform, as someone with resources to do what I can to help my fellow humanity, right? Like we, ha we can't live in our own bubble and be like, good luck, y'all. We have to really figure out how we're going to do this together. Like, come on, people. And then the the thing that really impacts me the most is when I see kids who are grappling with just despair and hopelessness, how just coming with music and love and an open heart and wanting to connect and to hear who they are, mm -hmm. how it reignites something in them that is deeper than a just, thank you. You know, it's like... <clears throat> Like they suddenly are like, right, I can do this. I can sing. I can dance. I cannot feel invisible and just in constant harm and in constant danger. Mm -hmm. I can try one more day. Mm. And that 
is, I think, the biggest thing. When you see a young girl who, when you first walk through the door, is just kind of removed and listless and feeling far away, and then you get her singing and dancing and laughing, and mm. you see her spirit come to the front of her face again and right there and ready to go, you're like, yep, there you are. Mm. How do we keep you engaged and, and activated and impactful for you in your world, right? Like, how do we do that? So that's the reminder. Wow. Honestly. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've loved talking to you so much and I feel oh, like we'll continue and one of the things I love sharing on this podcast are resources. So mm. that's kind of like, I'm curious about what you're listening to right now. Are there any musical <laughs> artists that you love that I can check out that people listening yeah. can check out? Wow, that's so fun. And what a great, huge question. Always, honey, Layla Hathaway. Always. You know, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, all the good ones, right? Aretha Franklin. It's holiday season. So you definitely want to check out some old Gladys Knight and the Pips. Barbara Streisand. If anybody has not checked out Barbara Streisand and Yentl, that is fantastic. Mm. Also, like some of the new artists that I've been enjoying are new Moonchild. I don't know if you know Moonchild, mm. but they're fabulous. Oh my God, just, there's so many to tell you about. I don't even know where to begin. I mean, oh my God, Appalachia, Appalachia Rising. You got to check them oh, out. Oh yeah, Appalachia Rising. Yeah, those definitely. are my girls, honey. I love them. Oh really? Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're so 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 super fierce. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. well, I yeah. I always love, I think what people love or what people listen to or what they're reading, I think always you get a little more window into who they are. Too. True. True. So true. It's so beautiful. Check out Kiva. They're a great Celtic band. Check out okay. Eric Maring. He's also a great folk artist. Like there's just, there's so much music. In yeah. There. Like just... how can we not listen to music 24 seven? Like there's just too much to listen to. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about yes. your organization? Thank you. Yeah. Check me out at Amikaela, A-M-I-K-A-E-Y-L-A dot com. And awesome. there'll be information there about my organization and me and music that you can listen to and all that stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amikaela. It was Thank so you. wonderful to connect with you and your plants. And you I'm are sure. a treasure. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you so much for having the show. And listeners, you got to know, she's adorable. She's so cute. You're so cute. <laughs> and so full of light and love. And I'm so glad that you are doing this and sharing your gift with the world, which Thanks. is amazing. Thanks so much for that. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.